0: 6 for Hell, 5 for Heaven, 4 for Birth, 3 for a Funeral, 2 for Mirth, 1 for Sorrow. Welcome back to Spirit Box Radio. Hello faithful listeners. So many of you have been so helpful this past week, helping me piece together things on the forums. It seems like you've been more fastidious than I have about making documents of what's been happening with me on and around the show. Someone has even put together a full timeline of everything that's gone wrong, everything that's changed. It's interesting to see it all laid out in such stark terms, no room for wiggling, just presented for what it is, as it is. Like here, the day I was born, then a load of question marks for seven years. I made ghosts, I was taken places by Madame Marie to do things, I was locked in my room, all question marks because we don't know how often or when they happened. Then a house was collapsed on top of me by my mother when I was seven, and then somehow the radio show, the forums, the house. Putting it all in such plain terms makes me realise how much has happened, and how little I actually know about any of it. Lingering on it all isn't helping at all, is it? Fortunately, faithful listeners, I have found an augury forecast for you this week. I found this one between the cushions on Anna's sofa. I'll share it with you now. The bees linger at the edge of the meadow. Take care in making long-term commitments in the next few months. A swallow dipped but did not dive above the local pond. Remember to take your shopping list when you go to the grocery store. If your name ends with Y... You do not have time to take that on. Say no. A crow hopped backwards along the garden fence. It is time to change the oil in your car. If you are a Gemini and you're thinking of going to Newport, don't. So concludes the augury forecast. I wonder if I'll ever find out where these came from. Ah well. Besides the posting of the timeline, things on the forums have been pretty lively this week. I love seeing everyone come together to help each other. It's really incredible vibes, honestly. There have been some issues with the tagging system which appeared on the forum a few weeks ago. The tags are assigned automatically. Nobody gets a say in where their posts are being filed. It's been interesting because people have been posting what they think are personal queries, which have been then sorted by the system into hauntings. People asking for advice about improving their spiritual practice have found their messages being sorted into forum-specific or healing. It's not that the tags are wrong, necessarily, it's that they're weird. Like, the definitions the system is using are different to the ones people making the post would use. On the one hand, it's helpful to have consistency, but on the other, it's frustrating because people are wanting to reach out to particular groups of other forum users and finding the system is preventing them from doing that, purely because of the automatic tags being placed on their posts. It wouldn't be so bad if we could work out where the system is coming from and how it's making these decisions. It is hard to understand how it's functioning without any knowledge about where it's coming from, you know? They really shape how we understand stuff. Like the term heir apparent, for example. Indy, the others, they think the heir apparent is this one singular thing. That it's chosen. Maria was going on about having a patron. That Scarcity was acting almost like a, a guardian angel or something to her. She said that Scourge was my patron, but he's not a patron. He's a pain in the arse. He interrupts me. And she didn't seem to know anything about what the heir apparent is for, not beyond what she's been told by the scaresmongers. For her, the whole position of our apparent is tied up in the end-of-the-world rebirth thing. But when I mentioned taking over, inheriting something, which is always what it sounded like to me, she sounded... She sounded like she didn't really know what I was talking about. Like an arcanist. Oh... Gods. It's... We're like Carl's parents, with the information we needed just down the corridor... We know different parts of the same puzzle, but we're not speaking to each other. (sighs) I need to speak with her. I need to find out everything she knows or thinks she knows. And I need to work out what... Oliver. That's it. That's why I was supposed to take his deal. So he could break all the taboos. Isn't that what he was begging me to do? Take his deal so he could tell me everything he knows? Ingra was right. I'm not omniscient, and Oliver is an agent of the man in the flat cap, but he's not just meant to be feeding him information, he was supposed to feed information to me. And after I didn't, after I took the sins instead, refused to take Oliver along with them, Scourge killed Kitty, and then when I still wouldn't take Oliver's deal, they showed up and told me how he was made a Major Arcana in the first place, which means... it means that the reason Oliver was made is important. Why? Because of Jack? Because he was trying to avenge someone? What's important about that? Come on, Sam, you foolish boy. You can do this. You can think this one out. Why did What else did Scourge tell me? What else did they say? Think, think. Mm. They said that what they told me was the price in itself. There's always a price, always a bargain, but that time the knowledge itself was enough to pay for hearing about it. How? Why? It was a sad story. I don't like hearing how much Oliver hurt, how lost he was, how desperate. It was awful, it was. But bad enough to pay for itself somehow? I don't understand. But he didn't just tell me the story of how Oliver was changed, did he? He also talked to me about after. That prophecy. A man will die and come back to life, and in that man's heart is the doom of the world, and when he falls, the first stone in the path of the end will be laid. Jay. Poor Jay. They had that in their notebook as a prophecy about me. But the way Scourge told it, the man in the prophecy was Oliver. And it was made to that woman hundreds of years ago, hundreds of years before I was even conceived. And she's long dead now, so how is it about me? The first stone in the path will be laid. Scarcity was talking about that, too. And Maria, about walking this path which is already laid. Like, whatever we do, whatever we choose, the outcome is already determined. When I looked at the arcane, when I found that thing that I'm pretty sure is the redistribution, that looked like that too. Like there were hundreds of threads that might lead towards it, but whichever were chosen, we'd always get there. Like the choices we make mean nothing from here, because the decisions that led to the outcome we'll reach were already set out a long time ago. In Oliver's heart is the doom of the world. There's no doubt that he is the man in the prophecy. In his heart. His card in the true Arcanist Tarot, it's a heart wreathed in chains. This thing, the prophecy, it's all a part of who he is, who he was designed to be. That's what it feels like. And when he falls, does that mean when he dies? But he's a major arcana, right? So he can't die. On the other side of that, he's died so many times. But none of them have ever really been death. None of them have ever really been the end. He can't die, not in the way we usually think of death. Not unless the man in the flat cap lets him. Or I take his deal and I let him. Which I'm not going to do. But, but the first stone is already laid, according to everyone else. So it can't be that, surely. It can't be about Oliver dying. The other thing on Oliver's card are the chains, of course, right through the aorta and wrapped all around it. I always thought that was the more obvious part, you know. He's trapped here, stuck forever. He never meant to be what he is. And all that stuff about how he's different to the other Major Arcana, how he feels things more, how he's remained more human, like he's chained right up to... To his feelings? To his heart to his love, turned bad and rotten by everything that happened. The man in the flat cap sent him to watch over Madame Marie, not the others, even though he was disobedient, even though he wouldn't do his job without Strife sticking his hands right into his soul and forcing him to do it. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe it's because he wasn't good for anything else anymore, or maybe... Maybe it's because of me. Would I have gone to him had he not been the person Madame Marie had been turning to for all of that advice? If he hadn't sent those stupid flowers when she first disappeared? If Ritidia hadn't sent me to him specifically because she knew him from Madame Marie's grandmother's shop? I remember when I first walked into a shop and I saw him, I felt like somehow I already knew him and he looked at me and I could tell he was thinking the same thing and he's told me before, he said that moment, he looked at me and he said he felt like I could see him for more than he was and it was all so easy it all fit so perfectly into place the way he spoke, the way he laughed the way he just low-key died on the floor right in front of me and popped back to life in his heart is the doom of the world And what does the heir apparent do, apparently? End the fucking world. When he falls, the first stone is laid. When he falls for me. This knowledge is the price for itself. It was all by design. Does that mean I'm chosen then? That's what makes an heir apparent different from just an heir, apparently. They're selected, whether by heritage or committee. They're specifically singled out to be the one to inherit the throne or the power or whatever. And there's definitely something different about me. About the way I operate. Something off in the mechanics of it all that makes me distinct, even from Maria Gillespie.
1: Anastasia? You here? I brought
0: you some new mud. Britidia. Oh. It's just you. Uh, yeah, sorry, Anna's not here. She's, uh, uh... I don't actually know. I thought she was with you. Hmm. Oh, maybe
1: she's finally taken my advice and gone to sit in the dirt in the moonlight. Oh. That's nice. Well, you wouldn't understand. Connectivity has never been your problem. Your issue is listening. What do you mean? You're aware of other people and things, all right? But you fail to take into account what they're telling you about that connection.
0: I don't know what you mean.
1: Ugh, not surprising. That's another one of your problems. Mm. So what's Anna's problem? Well, It's much more straightforward. She listens too hard. She can't hear the song for the bubbles. Oh, uh, sure. Ugh, you see? Terrible. Uh-huh. You can just leave Anna's mud in the kitchen. All right. What's with all the, uh, whos a majits, its the, the electronics? It's the show. You're still airing that thing? Even though it increased the amount of nasty things out for your blood by tenfold?
0: I know. Ugh,
1: you are so like your mother. Ouch. Hmm. <laughs> uh. She wasn't all bad, kid. I know. I mean, the way she was with you was baffling. I know! Alright, alright, sneeze! Don't get your twigs twisted. You've got too much juice to let it spill over so easily. Uh, what? I said before, your arcane ability was something like a singing, this manipulating of the
0: arcane. But it was a bad analogy. What is it with you and Oliver and your concern for the quality of your metaphors? Analogies. There's a difference. So what's wrong with the singing analogy, then?
1: A better analogy is that it's, um, like playing a musical instrument, say, a a piano. Almost anyone can sit at a piano and get it to make a noise. But not many people can do it
0: well. That's exactly like the singing analogy, except now there's a piano in it. No, no, I'm not done yet. I swear, if you start talking about the Song of the Mud... You'll
1: what, command me into silence? No... Well, command yourself to shut up and listen for once. So almost anyone can get a piano to make noise. Only a few people can make it sound good, and it takes practice and care. Some people, they can read music and use that. Like witches and arcanists using spells. In some cases, yes. In other cases, they can play from memory. Right. Some people can improvise and make beautiful music without planning beforehand. Some can play jazz. Some can even compose. Some can even lead an orchestra. What's this got to do with anything? I don't think you're even playing the piano. What? I think you're tuning it by ear. Ah,
0: uh, You've lost me.
1: Well, then that's your own fault. It's an excellent analogy. Right, idiot. explain yourself. You're not... Practicing the arcane arts or channeling arcane energy. You're manipulating the energy itself. It's like changing the frequency of a wave instead of just receiving or sending it out. What? You're a genius. I, I'd be flattered, but the amount of times I've heard you call that sooty hairball of yours a genius does dampen the compliment a little. Revel, he's not. He's a very smart cat. Hey, whatever, kid. Whatever bubbles your bog. I'll leave Anastasia's mud in the kitchen. Try not to burn the house down now. I'll try. boy.
0: Maybe that's what it is. What makes me different. Witches and arcanist. they're channeling the arcane to do things by themselves, but me, I'm taking it in my hands and pulling it, tying it. Which, hmm. Maybe I'm more like Scourge, Strife and Scarcity than I thought. Except I can't be, because I was born. I have a mother, and she was a human being. A weird one. One who was more powerful than she should have been. Who made bad choices, to put it mildly. But she was a human person who carried me like any human baby is carried. It just so happened that my father was the man in the flat cap. Wait. I... I can't remember how I found that out. When did I... When did I learn that? I just... I just came to know it, faithful listeners. When did you know that he was my father? At at what point? When did we all accept this fact? I don't think I was ever told. I think I just knew somehow. Didn't, Didn't you? Didn't we? Why did we...
2: Sam, what are you still doing up? It's witching hour. Oh, of course. I'm sorry. The days have been blurring into one of it. It's all right. Are you okay? Yes, fine. I've been down to the stream. It's easier to listen to mud in the dark.
0: Huh. Oh, uh, Rytidia dropped you off some more
2: jars. Oh, wonderful. I'll sort through them tomorrow. What have you even been doing with her anyway? Oh, you know, learning. Learning what? About what's going on. Write at his mud songs, they're sort of... Well, they aren't the same as the way things look through that funny telescope of yours, but it's similar. Really? Sort of, yes. Are you alright?
0: What? Yeah, I just... <sighs> you know.
2: You've had a lot to process recently. Yeah. Look, why don't you stop broadcasting and come and sit with me for a bit before we go to bed? I can tell you all the insults right came up for me today. Better than concrete cretin. Try soup-brained suburbanite. <laughs> that is pretty good. You don't need to stop if you don't want to.
0: I... no. I should sign off for the night, probably. I, I do love the way I feel when I broadcast, but... It can get a little much, you know, after a while. I can imagine. Everything just feels so much more now I'm starting to
2: understand. Yes, things are like that sometimes. But understanding is good. It can remind you you're not alone in the world, even though it feels like it sometimes. I know I'm not alone. Yes, but knowing it and feeling it are different. I guess. You really aren't alone, Sam.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'm going to sign off, faithful listeners. I'll speak to you next week. Spirit Box Radio is a podcast created by Pippin A. Remager for Hanging Soft Studios. If you like the show, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Hanging Studios and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode starred Pippin A. as Sam Enfield, Ripley Leatherbarrow as Rytidia Delphis, and Alex Paliver richardson as Anna. Spirit Box Radio is recorded in front of a dead studio audience.
1: Tune in, get spooky.